thank you for joining us for a really exciting interview today on Inspired to Be. I'm Sherry. I'm Doc Cynthia. And today we are so thrilled to have as our special guest, Jack Nicholas II. Jack is the president of Nicholas Design and vice chairman of Nicholas Companies. He has designed over 50 golf courses that are open for play today. Jack also serves on the board of directors for Nicholas Children's Healthcare Foundation and is chairman of the of both the Muirfield Village Golf Club and the Memorial Tournament. The first of five children born to Jack and Barbara Nicholas, Jack is married to Allie, or Allison, and is the father of five, Jack the third, Christy, Charlie, Casey, and Will. Welcome, Jack. Thank you so much for being with us here today. Uh, I'm great to be, uh, great to be uh, with you guys uh, this morning, and uh, look forward to having a fun chat. Yes, you first your first book just came out in 2021, The Best Seat in the House, 18 Golden Lessons from a Dad to a Son. And I love this book so much, and I highly recommend it. I've given it to gifts to many people, and it's just um, a book I think everyone should read. The lessons are, are incredible. Um, but the first question I want to start with with you is what made you decide to write it? Well, um, especially you know, with honestly, the number one um, eleven-time New York best-selling author Dan Yeager. Yeah, Dan, Don Don uh, Yeager. Uh, Don Don uh, Don was fantastic. Uh, uh, we formed a great friendship, and uh, and he came up with a great book. But you know, initially, yes, you know, why did I write the book? And you know, I, I kind of went back uh, to the you know growing up. Uh, watching my father and, and, and my mom at the same time. I can't mention one without the other. And, uh, you know, I got the great opportunity to caddy for dad in the 1986 Masters where he won uh, that Sunday afternoon at Augusta National. And I always felt like, wow, you know, so many people remembered this event. I always felt like I had the best seat in the house as his caddy. And then I kind of took a step back and I said, you know what, I've not only had the best seat in the house that particular Sunday in Augusta, uh, but I've had the best seat in the house really watching a great golf career, a great family man, and uh, really a great life. And I wanted to share that uh, with, uh, with with folks, and really uh, I set out to really just pay honor and pay tribute to my mom and dad. Never thought that I might sell a bunch of books, but honestly it was about paying tribute to my mom and dad. And what ended up, uh, I got to tell you, uh, you know, when I went through the whole journey, it took me about a year to uh, actually, when I started writing, to actually finish it. And uh, the joy that I had uh, gifting that book to my mom and dad was uh, a joy that uh, I'll always cherish. Well, it's such a be- beautiful tribute to your dad. And the photo from that moment of uh, when your dad won that tournament is uh, was on the cover on Golf Digest, correct? That was such an amazing photo of you sitting in the ground. I think the interesting thing for me, I, first, I love the book, too. I think the book is just phenomenal. And uh, I think it's what people don't really understood, at, which I didn't at the time, is your dad was only 21 when he had you. I mean, that is such, so as he's evolving as a man himself. Right. And he's ha- he has having five children. It would be interesting pr- for sure to write a book like this because you're, you're such a piece of his transformation into a man himself. Well, you know, I think, uh, I don't know what the, uh, you know, what kids are doing today, but it seems like, uh, uh, you know, our youth is getting married a little bit later. And as a result, having children a little bit later, uh, they were young. My mom and dad were very young. 
Uh, yeah. Yes, they're about 21 years of age uh, when I was first born. And, and uh, you know, I, you look at the things that my dad and my mom were able to accomplish at such a young age, uh, you know, just obviously the golf career. Obviously, they raised five children. I'm the oldest of five. But even you go back to, you know, I'm very involved with the Yearfield Village and the Memorial Tournament. Right. And he, you know, he, he wanted to do something similar to Augusta National in his hometown of Ohio. And you look, when that golf uh, course was open, that was 1974. And our first tournament was 1976. He and a, a, group, a small group of guys bought that land in 1968-69. So you're talking, they bought it when he was 28 years old, wow. and they opened Nearfield Village when he was 24, and, and he had such great perspective on things differently. I mean, I think uh, ahead of the game, uh, as it relates to, you know, he, he, his first membership, he had great diversity. Uh, you know, uh, the, he, he was the first to build a stadium golf course here at Nearfield Village, where that became a very famous thing down the road with the uh, the TPC uh, Tournament Players Club golf course. They developed the, the stadium. But honestly, Dad was the first to do that. He's doing all this at the late 20s, early 30s. Uh, it's just, yeah, to put things in perspective, and uh, you, know, you start relating, and when you hit those benchmark numbers of 21, 31, 41, and gosh, I'm almost 60 now, uh, it's amazing the things that, uh, that I have watched my mom and dad accomplish at a very, very young age. Jack, did, did you keep journals? Did you take notes or things throughout your life being the son of of jack and barbara was it something you know because you have the lessons in this book are so amazing and and was this something that you just paid attention to and that you wrote down you know what i've been writing notes for years uh and that was part of my challenge uh I had I, I I had notes on backs of, back of napkins. I I have had wrote you know journals and just to keep notes to remind stuff. I have uh, little recordings of uh, my dad telling stories and my mom telling stories. I love that. Uh, and where I you know I I actually tried to start uh, this book four or five times and just didn't know how to organize it. Uh, I was actually at a fundraiser at my mom and dad's house. John Maxwell was there. Uh, I read that in the book. Oh, John is a wonderful man, and I explained to John what I was trying to do, and he goes, I've got the guy for you that's going to help you write this book. He picked up the phone immediately, and uh, Don Yeager picked up the phone on the other side. Uh, John made that introduction, and we hit it off wonderfully. And, uh, and of course, I didn't understand the process. Don, this is (laughs) all my script, my understanding uh, of, of... you know, mom and dad and, and the tribute that I paid to them, uh, they're lessons that I learned, and it's in my it's in my handwriting. But Don was able to <clears throat> shape everything and tie it together where it made sense. And uh, I told Don uh, as we were um, just published the published the book, and we did a few um, you know promotions for the book. And I actually, that's when I came to Don. I said, you know what, Don? I said, I didn't realize or understand the process. Don is a brilliant man. And uh, this was a great honor for me to be able to write a book with him and, uh, and allow it. You know, he, he, he guided me through it. Oh, it was beautifully written. And I've written a, a couple of books myself. And it's such an overwhelming process when you have so much that you want to say and how to organize it and uh, 
to figure out where to put everything. I, I think you did an extraordinary job. The one just, thing. Just to relive all the memories yeah. that you went through. And it's interesting because, um, of course, I'm very much into, like, share with mindfulness. And it was, I love the one paragraph that you wrote about your dad and mom about it's not just being there on a location, but being present for all your activities and being there for your our lives. Exactly. And it's just uh, it's just a wonderful, between the journaling and staying in your present, it's, it's such a, that in itself is such a lesson that your dad taught you. So it was, um, and, and continues to be. <clears throat> they, uh, you know, Dad didn't have the nine-to-five job across town. Uh, he was all over the world, as you can imagine, playing professional golf. And uh, but they rarely miss an event uh, of any sorts. I mean, we played a lot of sports growing up, and uh, Mom and Dad were always in the, in the stands, and they made it, made it a point to, you know, just – not, as you said, not just to attend, but to be present. We always right. felt like we had mom and dad's full attention. Uh, and that's big. Uh, I know that, uh, you know, with raising children myself, uh, you know, it's it's always a challenge. Uh, you know, kids, kids are tough. And, and one of the constants that I have learned from my mom and dad that I try to get across to my children is that, uh, you know, they are my number one priority. And secondly, I love you unconditionally. And uh, those two messages that I that I want my kids to hear all the time, I think I think it helps when you get uh, you know you're always going to have uh, you know tough corners in life, and uh, you're going to have uh, you know some great highs in life. But I think if you have those two constant uh, foundations, uh, that's that's very comforting. But I loved also just in your introduction in your book where your dad had just won um, the PGA Championship in 1968, and you. You know, he was busy. You you talked about just completing the mundane task of placing the flag into the cup and <laughs> and just standing still as the cheers continued. And you realize your dad had just what he done, but your father came over to you and and um, put his arms around you. And he was, it was his focus was on you, which I just love how, you know, you're, I've always been and admired um, your family and the closest and how your dad has always put family and your mom is always family first but that was just a powerful part in your book that you felt loved and that's what it's like to be a son hmm. but there's no question about it and again uh to kind of you know reflect um what what you were saying is that you know yeah it's it's, it's tough to you know you can get caught up in the moment and that was a moment that you mentioned uh, on the green uh, in 1986 augusta where you know, there was great applause for my father. It, it, this was all about dad, uh, about what he had accomplished that day, uh, what he had stood for his entire life. Um, he was, he's a role model. And right. many people looked up to him, and they were they were just so happy uh, that uh, it was a moment for my father, and he made me part of it. And uh, that's, uh, that's the best way I can describe to somebody what it's like to be Jack Nicholson's son uh, is that, you know, I've, I've always felt loved. And, uh, of course, the, most people would say, oh, gosh, you know, it's, you know, here's a guy that won all these golf tournaments and uh, he's a great businessman and, and uh, he has so many accomplishments. That's not um, what he is to me. He's dad to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have felt loved. Yeah. That's beautiful. Well, I always believe behind every great man is a great woman, and it sounds like they were a great that's couple. Barbara, that's I'm just that's wondering. Just mom. She's uh, an amazing woman. Yeah. What were? Can you give us a few of her best lessons, as well? 
She's a prankster. Well, you talk she, about that in the book. All the funny things. I mean, I've known, I've known, I've known you, Jack. It's been twenty six years since just when when I first met you and your family. And of course, Ira's known you all for much longer than that. And his involvement. And he also loves your book very much. But yes, what's tell us a story that stands out. That well, mom, uh, mom always. Let me, let me let me back up a little bit. They uh, they met in college, and mm-hmm. uh, it was. Really love at first sight. Uh, they were they were freshmen at Ohio State, and uh, immediately uh, you know fell in love with each other. Uh, uh, just um, just an amazing relationship, and uh, they they've always had each other's back, uh, regardless of uh, you know what came across their paths. And they also uh, they kept each other you know number one and, and a focus in their lives. My mom specifically about my mom, she seemed to always take the backseat to my father. Uh, she understood that, um, you know, for dad to be successful, uh, you know, she, she had to take care of things and have a stable environment and a, and a home, uh, for my dad to, to, you know, to travel from. And, and, uh, you know, really she, she took a lot of the worry that, that I think, unfortunately, a lot of uh, couples out there probably, uh, don't keep from each other. For instance, um, I remember one time Laura Norman, uh, Greg Norman's wife, called my mom, and she was very upset about an article that was written about Greg. And Laura was like, uh, you know, gosh, you know, I can't wait till Greg gets home, uh, and I'm going to tell him all about this this article, and and we're going to see, gosh, he's going to be so mad. And my mom said, Laura, why would you do that? And, of course, Laura, she was very young at the time, and she hadn't thought about it. She goes, what do you mean, Barbara? My mom's like, I have had so many negative articles written about my Jack, and I just throw them in the garbage can because what good is it going to do? I know it's not true, uh, and why do you want to upset him? And Laura really took uh, took that lesson from that my mom. That is a great heart. lesson. And uh, you know, it, she she my mom protected um, my dad from a lot of that. Uh, you know, it's really like garbage. That, that garbage that she knew wasn't true, and. For whatever what was what it was about, you know, like you know, he wore pants that didn't match his shirt or whatever. Obviously, you know, there's deeper subjects than that, and I think that Laura Norman uh, did that with Greg as well. Um, she began to protect Greg, and uh, my mom has always been a mentor uh, to so many of the gals out there on tour. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but but again, she, you know, I think of that song uh, uh, that Bette Midler did so wonderfully uh, performed the rose. It's the wing beneath my wings. My mom was always the That's your mom. Uh, My father's wings. She's allowed my dad to do so much. And then, you know, you kind of fast forward today, and my mom is really involved with uh, the charities and uh, raising money for children and the health care. And uh, they're helping so many kids, and my dad has now kind of taken a backseat and helped my mom with that endeavor. And they are having so much fun uh, helping children. And my dad has recently quoted, and I'll probably get it wrong, but he basically said, saving a child uh, is far more important than making any four-foot putt that he ever made. Mm, And it's raised, what, it started in 2004 is when the Nicholas Children's Healthcare Foundation was formed. And it's raised just, oh gosh, over a hundred million dollars in just this short time. It's incredible, and all it's, the different it's events. A, it's a wonderful, uh, wonderful group. We're raising a lot of money uh, and helping kids that wouldn't otherwise have 
health care. Uh, they renamed the Miami Children's Hospital to the Nicholas Children's Hospital right. uh, recently. And uh, we've got outpatient centers all over uh, the state of Florida. We uh, uh, we're very involved with children's uh, health care organizations all over the country, uh, uh, nationwide children's uh, up at the Memorial Tournament. They're a major beneficiary there. And uh, it's, it's you know what, you really don't understand it. It's, it's tough to understand. I shouldn't say that. It's tough to understand until you actually go to some of these, uh, you know, kids that you're helping and you, and you visit them in the hospital and you realize, uh, you know, the chance in life that you're that you're gifting them and it's uh, it really is an amazing feeling mm. feels great that's wonderful at the um congressional gold medal presentation for your dad uh you discussed in detail the masters where you served as your dad's caddy can you share a little bit about that speech in 2015 well that was uh i remember uh my dad uh, actually is one of very few people that have received the uh, Presidential Medal of Honor, uh, Congressional Gold Medal, and the Lincoln Medal. And the Lincoln Medal. Yeah. And, uh, but anyway, an amazing honor. And uh, so Dad came to me uh, prior to receiving that honor, and he asked if I would present him. And I knew that uh, Dad had presented for Arnold Palmer uh, when Arnold received the same honor uh, several years earlier. And so my immediately thought was, Dad, are you sure you don't want to have maybe, uh, you know, like a Tom Watson or, you know, a peer of yours do that? And he said, no, no. He said, uh, he said, I want it to be you. And he says, it, you'll do fine. He says, just consider it a practice run for when I die, when you have to talk when I die. I'm like, Dad, that really is not <laughs> helping me at all here. And uh, I no want to tell you, I was so nervous. Uh, it was in the uh, rotunda. Uh, at our Capitol building, and I, you've know, got the great leaders of our country and orders from the past. Kind of, I felt like they were looking over me, and uh, it was I was I was shaking, uh, but uh, it it came out well. I was uh, I think I made my dad proud, and uh, it was just uh, it was just an amazing amazing day. I also loved uh, the part in the book about. In 1962, when Arnold Palmer, there was a playoff, and um, Arnold Palmer lost you, Dad. He said, now the big guy's out of the cage. Everybody run for cover. And the three well, of them between Arnold Palmer and Gary Player and your dad was incredible, a threesome. Yeah, they, they made a, a great group, uh, the big three, they called the them, Gary, three. Arnold, my dad. and The, the uh, knight, the black jack, and the golden bear. Well, Arnold was... Uh, uh, they had a great rivalry, uh, my dad and Arnold, and that particular event, uh, dad had played with him a few times prior, and uh, that was the 1962 Oak, uh, U.S. Open at Oakmont, where that was Arnold's hometown, and dad was not well received. Uh, he had a lot of hisses and boos, and uh, they really wanted uh, Arnold to win, and my dad ended up uh, prevailing, but dad said that, uh, you know, even though some of the gallery uh, didn't manage him or wasn't very nice to him, Arnold always had his back. And that was the case throughout their lives. Arnold and dad always had each other's back. They had a great relationship. All they, they were fierce competitors. Uh, once the competition, uh, you know, the flag uh, was put away, they, uh, they shared a great relationship. And uh, I know dad misses Arnold very much. Uh, Arnold passed away, obviously, a few years ago. Right. It's a shame more people can't have that same 
uh, respect for each other on on the court. I think of some of the basketball players that are like that as well. They're they can just get off and it's over and done with. Um, I, I'm I was really intrigued by the book too when you talked about your dad worried about you in particular since you have his namesake. Right. That he never wanted in any way you to feel underestimated or not yourself. And I just wonder if you could speak a little bit about that because I'm wondering as I listen to all this you're a pretty strong independent person yourself I'm just wondering what your legacy or how you see your legacy would be you know dad uh, dad has told me that if he ever knew um, what successes he would have in life he probably would not have named me uh, Jack Nicholas uh, but again uh, you know I'm born in 1961. He had never won a professional golf tournament at that, at that time. He won it in 1962, the U.S. Open. And, uh, you know, obviously you win the U.S. Open, people start to recognize you. And uh, I did have struggles uh, growing up. I remember introducing myself only as Jack uh, when it would have been more appropriate to say my last name as well. And that was intentional. I wanted people to see me before they saw, you know, guys, she's the son of Jack Nicklaus. Uh, and, you know, I, I actually, uh, Helen Ross, a dear friend of mine, uh, uh, she, she interviewed me while I was playing the ACC golf tournament, playing for the University of North Carolina. And she asked if I were to have a son, would I ever name him Jack the third? I said, Helen, gosh, no, it's been such a struggle. Gosh, no, I wouldn't do that. Well, certainly, sure enough, uh, <laughs> Jack, my firstborn, uh, comes along and I name him Jack the third, just so proud of that name. <laughs> but then when I was doing this book, I asked the kids to reflect some of the stories that they've had growing up and Jackie mm -hmm. had the same experience. Um, you know, he would stand up and, uh, and say his name. He wouldn't say his last name either. Yeah. And, uh, but you know, you, you, you grow out of it, you, you mature, you, you do ultimately have to look in the mirror, become your own person. And, uh, you know, you ask what my legacy will be. Mm. Uh, no, I'm, I didn't win 125, <laughs> uh, you know, professional tournaments, but you know, what, what I'm most proud of, uh, I, you know, I, I, I think I've lived a good life. I continue to live a good life, but what I'm most proud of is, uh, five children. And I think that, you know, when we all step back from whether you know, working and the struggles or successes that we have, uh, your true legacy is your family. I agree. I agree. And I loved what each one of your children wrote in the back of the book. Just beautiful. Absolutely incredible tribute to you, to your dad, to your mom. Uh, you did everyone proud, Jack. I mean, the book is just absolutely incredible. And one of my favorite chapters in there is Act Like a Champion. And I truly believe that in life that we all need to stay l uplifted. And no matter what we go through in life, keep ourselves up as champions, no matter what. And if we go through something that we can learn from it and continue on to be a champion. But that was a great, so I, that's my mantra, to be a champion. And um, I love that. Jack, there's a story in your book. Um, there was a golf tournament between your dad and Peter Jacobson's. And Peter asked you about your golf game, and your, your reply was, Peter, I'm not hitting the ball really well, but gosh, I'm not put, putting very well. And it was such a lesson in getting out of your head and believing you are the best putter. Can you talk a little bit about that lesson? Because that was such a turning point, you know, and learning about positivity and believing in yourself. And 
and saying instead of saying I'm not a good putter, you become I'm the best putter in the world. <laughs> you know, you just turn that around and make that positive. Well, I remember uh, I was caddying for my father at the yeah. Memorial Tournament, and uh, Peter is uh, paired with my father, and uh, it was actually a shootout. It was a shootout on the Wednesday before the tournament. You start with ten players, and it had. What you, you reduce one player per hole, it got down to number nine, and it was just Peter and my dad, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for the big prize that Wednesday. So again, uh, uh, you know, we they hit off the tenth or the ninth tee, and Peter goes, Jack. He says, uh, "So how you playing?" I said, "Well, Peter." He says, "I, I told Peter I was hitting it beautifully, but my putting, I just am not hitting it, or I'm not putting it very well at all." And Peter goes, "I don't want to ever hear you say that." I go, "What do you mean?" He goes. Your mind is like a computer. It only knows what you tell it. Exactly. And he says, next time I want, uh, you, you, I ask you how you're putting. He says, I want you to tell me you're putting fantastic. So I didn't think much of it. We walked down the fairway, and uh, both Peter and my father, or they hit their drives in the fairway, and Peter uh, selects an eight iron. And, uh, you know, I'm standing probably, you know, 10, 12 feet from Peter, and Peter's into his pre-shot routine. And which, again, you never stop once you get into the pre-shot routine. That's how golfers keep their nerve. And, and uh, it is. It's a routine that they don't break. Uh, so anyway, Peter is behind the ball. He steps steps into the stance. He places the club behind the ball. He looks at the target. He gives a little waggle. And then all of a sudden he looks up at me. He says, Jackie. I go, I was kind of taken off guard. I said, yes. He goes, <laughs> Ask me what kind of eight iron player I am. I said, Well, Peter, what kind of eight iron player are you? He says, I'm the best goddamn eight iron player in the world. And at that, he, he pulled the eight iron back and he hit it as crisp as he could hit it. He just stiffed it about two feet from the pin. And he says, That's the answer that I want to hear you give me next time. And I looked at my dad. I just said, Dad, sorry about that. You know, Peter ends up making birdie and wins the tournament. But it was such a great <laughs> lesson. It was a great lesson. Oh, these but guys it's... keep such a positive mind, and uh, and again, and they're friendly out there. And for Peter to help me in that way, uh, uh, Peter's a wonderful man. I, I'm a huge fan of Peter Jacobson. Well, it's all about wiring, and I I do a, do a lot. I used to do a lot of work with athletes for mind performance, and so I love that you put it also in the book about staying mentally tough. Absolutely, keeping your vibrations high. Yeah, so can you just kind of give us some information that maybe you could share to people about your advice about staying mentally tough? Well, I mean, again, it's more of a question that, you know, you should ask my father, uh, not me. I've not won all those tournaments, but (laughs) I will say this. I've, you know, I've I've tried to mentor my children as best uh, as I have been able to, and the message that I've given to my kids is, I've learned this from my father, is, you know, if you got to prepare, <clears throat> and that's what you can control. Uh, Dad never felt that you know, he didn't understand getting nervous because he felt like the only times that he got nervous is when he wasn't prepared. Mm. So he prepared himself well, and once he stepped out onto the golf course, why would you get nervous? Now it's time to go out and have fun. So I told my kids, look, you can control your preparation. And uh, what happens out on the field, look, you're not going to win every time. Uh, you know, there's, there's only going to be – you're either the king or you're not. You know, you're going to win or you're not. Uh, and as is sport, as is in family, as in life, you know, it's about winning and losing. Uh, but 
I also um, have the added message, enjoy the ride. Uh, enjoy what you're doing because that's really what it's about. And, uh, you know, as I said, I, I'm trying to win my first major or professional tournament. My dad's, you know, at you know, 121. So, again, you have to have realistic goals, but manage what you can control. And that what you can control is how you prepare. And carry yourself well. And it's about the, the way you project yourself to others, the, the way you believe in yourself, the discipline that you have. Um, just really wonderful lessons that your dad taught you and that he instilled in you, in you and your brothers and and Nan and grandchildren, the drive to compete, improve, to strive to win, and whatever you do, and just the lessons that in this book are so incredible, Jack. And I hope everyone goes out and buys your book because these are not just le- lessons about golf; these are lessons about living life and how to strive to be a better person and what to do yep. to and in challenging times. And I love how you wrote giving more than taking relationships, which I think is such a such an important philosophy in life especially for all that we're um facing right now with with the pandemic and all the all things the, COVID, the stress that are going on happened. for people so it's important that we do give more than we take in with relationships well that was always a formula that um my mom and dad adhered to uh when asked the secret to their marriage um they always felt like it was a 95 percent give and five percent take and uh, they said that might be a best case scenario uh, just you know, they always they always gave. They always gave. They weren't worried about uh, what came back. Mm. That's amazing. You're, they should have a, a marital class for people. <laughs> well, they just celebrated what sixty one. How many in July? Their anniversary. They were, born, they were born in forty and married in sixty. So it's easy for me to remember their uh, you know their their uh, ages and uh, how long they've been married. So sure, yeah, we're coming up on. Uh, we're going to be uh, 60, 61 years yeah, right now. 61 wow. in uh, July. Pretty cool. Yeah, yeah that's amazing. Been married a long time. That's, a, that's another book right there that they could write together. It's amazing that your family uh, is just truly what you consider a, truly a family. And it's, it's honorable to be able to read all of the wonderful things. I love how he started the book, which just said, the first lesson is listening. That's right. You know, I think people need to really listen to one another because we're, we're so quick to think about what we want to say. We're not listening to anything the people in front of us are saying. And I think it's critical. And give um, more than you take in relationships. The whole, yeah. each chapter. It's great it's philosophy. You, you had a wonderful mentors. Show faith life. through actions, not just words. And I know that um, that's an important part of my life is having a, my faith. And I'm thinking of what you're saying, Jack, about uh, I don't play golf like that. I'm in, I guess, because I don't practice enough. Well, after reading this book, I think I want, I want to go dust off my Nicholas clubs that I had custom made for yeah. myself several years I, ago. Oh, my gosh. Time to get them out. I'm fearful of hitting somebody with a ball or losing a club. I get really nervous. I, I don't enjoy it as much. But I guess if you practice and you're out there to do the best you can do, that's, that's I'm going to think of your dad. But, Jack, is there anything that you would like to add that we have not asked you, a special story? There's so many things that just, um, you know, the... Uh, as I mentioned, it's uh, set out to pay tribute to um, my mom and dad. Uh, I hope everybody out there feels like they have the greatest mom and dad in the world. I certainly feel as though I do. I've been very blessed, uh, you know, with my parents to have great role models. and. 
the, the world needs good role models. Absolutely. Um, we so need good role models. We and, all need uh, people to I believe just, in. Oh, we, we, we sure do. And uh, I'm just, uh, you know, our, our youth need someone to look up to. And, uh, you know, I, I love some of the stories, uh, you know, that, you know, mom and dad have shared with me how, the, you know, some of the decisions that they have made. Um, one kind of, I mean, maybe a little bit off on a tangent, but um, my father, uh, not many people uh, realize this, but he smoked when he was younger. And uh, it was the 19... Uh, 60, I think it was in 1967. He and Arnold uh, both, smoked. Arnold smoked as well. Sure he did. And uh, if, if, so he's playing, a, I thought it was Baltus role. And uh, my father, because back then you didn't get the films of the performance until maybe two or three months later. So uh, my dad would always look at the films and look at his golf swing. And as his, his reviewing uh you know, his uh, open championship uh, from 67, uh, he had a, you know, he would smoke and he had a, he had about a 50 foot putt that he, he had a cigarette on the grass. He putted the putt up about two inches from the hole. He put the cigarette in his mouth and he walked up and he tapped in uh, the ball into the cup uh, with his cigarette hanging out of his mouth. Now he was not aware of it until he saw himself on TV three months oh. later. He said, isn't that awful he said <laughs> now that is not something that i want to project that's a bad role model and he mm. never had another cigarette on a golf course after after he realized that and uh <clears throat> i'll be you know um it's not so easy i think to win um and, and dad dad did embrace that but I, I i did mention this in the book about you know the responsibility of winning uh, you know, Dad always felt that, um, you know, the question goes back, really. Uh, uh, Johnny Miller's manager, Ken Leister, I happened to be in the back seat, and Johnny always talked about choking. And, and Ken said, Jack, why is it that you never seem to choke? And my dad said, well, because I'm not afraid to win. And I'm in the back. I said, Dad, don't you mean you're not afraid to lose? He says, no, no, no. He says, it's actually easy to lose. He says, but to win, he says, you really have to separate yourself from everybody else. Uh, you know, there's only a few winners. There's a lot of people that get beat. And he said, but with winning comes a great responsibility. And that's where my dad, I think, took it to the next level where that responsibility, he, that was part of him. And he knew that he, he had to do things correctly. Uh, he had to be a good role model um, if he was going to be on the stage and win. And I so admire my dad for, for making the choices that he made throughout, throughout his life. Well, your dad has always been so gracious with his fans and just such a, you know, not, he's approachable. He's so kind and thoughtful to everyone. That's what I was thinking, approachable. And so many people aren't. Right. You know, they just, uh, they just think of the fame of things and they're not as embracing i i really think of him sort of like kobe bryant because he was very similar he didn't take things too seriously but he was always out for people to give them advice and i think i think it's just uh it would be tough now with social media for people that are out and so exposed well it's so different now yeah but your dad i i'm glad he still mentors people i think that's amazing yeah Amazing yep, family, Jack. I'm proud of. I'm so proud of this book. Congratulations, and we're and proud wishing of you. you much success. Yes, absolutely. absolutely, you're you you're in your own space, and I love that. And you are 
leaving your own legacy to your five gorgeous children and there is amazing i can't when i think about how how much they've grown through the years it's unbelievable <laughs> my, my gosh christmas, christmas they should grown. be they, fun they all they, they all so fast yeah, I mean, so I'm, I'm very very proud of them uh, and they know that um yeah, they make their dad very proud. Well, thank you for joining us thank today, you, Jack. Jack. And the podcast will be available on Spotify and iTunes and where all podcast platforms are available. And please follow us on Inspired to Be podcast on Instagram. And we look forward to talking to you next Saturday with a new guest. Go out and have a beautiful day and be a champion in your own life. We love you. Thank you so much, Jack, for joining us. Have a beautiful Thank day. Thank you, Jack. And lots of love to you, to you and your family. Uh, thanks so much. Thank you.